As you're finding your seats, make sure that you have a growth guide and something to take notes with. Good morning again and welcome. For those of you that are just tuning in now, I'm Pastor Brian Foreman and this is Cornerstone. We would love for you to check in. If you're here on site, you can use the cards or wherever you are, you can use the app to check in. Let us know how we can be praying for you and we would love to keep in touch with you. We are in the last message of the series where we have been working through the New Testament letter to the Philippians. The series has been called In It Together. And the big theme throughout this has been from Philippians 127, where it talks about being citizens of heaven, worthy of the gospel of Christ. That verse again is Philippians 127, which says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And every week we've kind of focused in on one aspect of that verse. And today I've underlined live as citizens of heaven. What does it mean to live as a citizen of heaven. And in this particular passage, which is the concluding passage of the entire letter, we're talking about the idea of contentment. Now, it's a little bit broader than that, and we'll explain that in just a second. But the idea is uh, answering this question. If you were going to Google this, this, uh, this question, hopefully this message would come up. It says, how can I do well even when things aren't going well? How can I do well even when things are not going well? Now, this holiday season can be kind of a stressful time, can be a time where, as was mentioned earlier, sometimes you're dealing, you're shuffling around different uh, priorities and working amongst different family members, and there's a lot to deal with, there's a lot of stress to go on, but every day we're facing with something that probably didn't go the way that we expected, the way we would want to, some kind of disappointment. So how can you do well? Is it possible even to do well when things aren't going well? And I think the answer is found in this passage. The message today is called doing well regardless. You can do well regardless of your circumstances. Now, the the word that I've chosen, if somebody were to ask, what is this message about, is, I would say, prosperity. Now, the the idea of prosperity is touched on in this message. You'll see I've given you a lot of extra notes in today's growth guide. And one of the things that I point out in there is that the word prosperity comes from a Latin word, which means doing well, doing well. Now, this is not a message about the prosperity gospel, but if you listen to this message, it will inoculate you against the false doctrine of a prosperity gospel. If you've never heard of that term before, that basically is the idea that if you are following Jesus, then you will be rich and happy for the rest of your life. And uh, that is not necessarily the case, or else, uh, you know, Jesus, Paul, among others, would probably be able able to explain that to you, but sometimes that's out there and this will be a good vaccine against that uh, particular strain of false doctrine. But the idea of prosperity down at its root is this idea of doing well, to prosper 
is to do well. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how can you do well regardless of what is going on. And the formula that I see in this passage is this, and this is today's bottom line if you're taking notes. It's an equation. Generosity plus contentment equals true prosperity. Generosity plus contentment equals true prosperity. And we're going to see this unpacked in this passage uh, through those three different ideas, the idea of generosity, the idea of contentment, and the idea of what it means to truly prosper or to do well. Overview of the notes, again, don't try to take it now because if we're going too fast, we'll come back around to it, is three steps. Number one, to demonstrate your concern. Secondly, to find your sufficiency in Christ. And thirdly, to keep building your kingdom credit score. And then lastly, we'll talk about how to practically apply this, and we'll talk about what this means to make a deposit in your kingdom credit account. So let's look at it together. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 23. It is the end, the conclusion of the letter. And, oh, I didn't put that there. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read today from the message translation. It'll be on screen so that you can follow along. But uh, again, very often when you're reading large passages, the message translation is a really good one to use because it really helps you to see the flow of the thought. And uh, that's why I've chosen it for today. This is Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 23. I'm glad in God far happier than you would ever guess. Happy you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just didn't have a chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. You Philippians know, and you can be sure I'll never forget, that when I first left Macedonia province venturing out with the message, not one church helped out in the give and take of this work except you. You were the only one. Even while I was in Thessalonica, you helped out, and not only once, but twice. Now that I'm looking, not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. And now, I have it all. Wait a second, I was behind, I was off. Did you guys not? Where am I? Have it all. Okay. Was I, was I off the whole time? No, you just went. Oh, okay. And now I have it all and keep. All right, my bad, sorry. Getting more. The gifts you sent with Epaphroditus were more than enough, like a sweet-smelling sacrifice, roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God to no end. 
you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus, our God and Father, abounds in glory that just pours out into eternity. Yes, give our regards to every follower of Jesus you meet. Our friends here say hello. All the Christians here, especially the believers who work in the palace of Caesar, want to be remembered to you. Receive and experience the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, deep, deep within yourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I start my prayer with the concluding words of of the Apostle Paul to the Philippians, may we be able to experience and receive the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ. Lord, through this message, I pray that you would speak to every heart. Lord, you know the difficulties, the trials, the things that are not going well and haven't gone well in the lives of everyone here, everyone listening. And Lord, I believe that you have a word of encouragement, a word of strength, a a way of bolstering their faith and their endurance. And so I pray, Lord, that you would do exactly that so that we can be a people who are truly prospering, truly doing well because of the strength that Christ provide regardless of our circumstances. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so remember the formula in this passage is generosity plus contentment equals true prosperity. So the first thing that we see here is the idea of demonstrating your concern. Really, we're coming to uh, the, the, the main prompt for this letter. Remember, the Apostle Paul has been in prison. He is under guard. He has uh, received a gift from the Philippian church brought to him from one of their member, Epaphroditus, And this is a letter of thanks. He's responding back with thanks for their gift. And so he's closing the letter by coming back around to this idea. And he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because you once again renewed your care for me. Uh, and we'll see what he means there. But then he kind of he says, okay, well, uh, let me clarify. You were, in fact, co- concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. Now, we don't know if it was because of distance, because of poverty, or what the case would be, but they didn't have an opportunity to express their concern for him. But now, with the gift that he received from Epaphroditus, they are, have renewed their concern. It's demonstrated. Now, I highlight this, uh, this word opportunity because I think that's kind of the key element there. You've heard me talk about before when we've talked about gratitude, that unexpressed gratitude is indistinguishable from ingratitude, right? If you don't express your gratitude, then there's really, it, it, it's not distinguishable. You can't tell the difference between gratitude and ingratitude. And in the same way, their care and concern would be invisible. It wouldn't be demonstrated without their taking the opportunity to express that concern. So the fact that they gathered up a gift, that they sent Epaphroditus from Philippi to Rome was an expression, a demonstration of 
of their care and concern. And he goes on and explains uh, their partnership. Now he's, he's about to say, I can make it no matter what, but he starts out by saying, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Remember what the definition of prosperity is, is doing well. He's saying it was a good thing for you to express your concern Uh, Take the opportunity to demonstrate your concern by sending a gift. You did well by partnering. And remember, that's uh, a lot of this flashes back to the very beginning, the Thanksgiving section of this passage of this letter, because it started out with talking about partnership. And that's that uh, fellowship with one another. And remember, fellowship was much less about finger food than being on a journey and being on mission, that kind of idea. So he's saying, you were partnering with me at the beginning. And now by sending this gift, you are once again renewing that partnership. And he goes into a little bit of a history lesson. He says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. Remember the story? The Apostle Paul is in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. He gets, he has a dream of a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And so that prompts them to go into this area. They start in Philippi and work on to Thessalonica and then eventually go down into Athens and Corinth on, on the peninsula of Greece. And during this time, evidently, the Philippians can continue to financially provide provide financial help for them. That was part of their partnership. And he's reminding, you did this from the start, and now that you had opportunity, you've done it again. And he adds, no other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you helped sent help more than once. Some of your translations might say something like sent once and then sent again. I think it's kind of like you helped time and again. He's saying this was, this was part of your pattern. When you had the opportunity, you you demonstrated your concern. And so I think the lesson here is, remember, you did well to help me in my time of hardship. Part of being prosperous, doing well as a follower of Jesus is taking the opportunities that we have to demonstrate our care and concern. He goes on to say, this is another translation of verse 14. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. One of the things that you can do to be of an encouragement to people in ministry, to people who are going through difficulty, is to come alongside of them in some form or fashion. We've talked here before about when you see a need, that's your invitation to do something about it. What if we as believers were constantly, had our eyes open, remember that's the biblical um, idiom for being generous, just like we talk about having open hands for the Bible uh, culture, it was open-eyed. What does open-eyed mean? It means that your eyes are open to the needs around you and you actually do something about it. So let's be that kind of people. If we want to be a people who are really doing well, truly prospering, Jesus taught us it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
So we're always on the lookout for how can we give? What needs can we meet? Is there something that God has placed in our hands? Maybe it might be financial resources. Maybe it might be a skill. Maybe it might be a time, but something that he has placed in our hands that we can leverage for the benefit of those around us. That's a generous heart. That's a generous spirit. That's the first part of the equation of truly doing well is the idea of generosity, that when we see a need, we're going to do something about it. We're actually going to demonstrate our concern because a concern for someone that is unexpressed, we see a need and we don't do anything about it, is indistinguishable from contempt, not caring, not being moved by that need. Secondly, and this is the core, this is probably the most famous part of this passage, is to find your sufficiency in Christ. Now, think about the idea of sufficiency. If you have a car repair that's going to cost a couple of thousand dollars, if you have money in the bank for that, then you have the resources sufficient for that need. What he is talking about here is finding your sufficiency. How are you going to get what you need for the circumstances that you are going to face? And this is the way he describes it. He's saying, uh, and there's a lot of not that uh, in this. And he's saying, look, you did well by helping, by sending that gift, but it's not that I was in need. It's not that I was in need. He says it like this in verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. What the Apostle Paul is trying to be very careful about is he wants to say thank you to them for their gift without feeling like, uh, without them feeling like he's trying to manipulate them into continuing to send gifts or to send more. And so he makes it very clear. I'm very thankful for what you have done. It met a need. It was a great thing. It was encouraging it actually met a real need, but I'm not saying this because I have ongoing needs. I'm not trying to manipulate you into giving more. And then he says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, content whatever the circumstances. Now, this is interesting because very often in the Apostle Paul's writings and in his preaching, he's interacting with the culture of the day. And in this passage, many commentators believe that he is interacting with Stoicism. Stoicism, uh, their ultimate value was this word that he uses for content, for contentment. And it literally means self-sufficiency. But he's going to take that idea of self-sufficiency and he's going to turn it on its head. Because what does self-sufficiency mean? It means that I have within myself everything that I need. I'm sufficient for whatever is coming my way. And the way that they describe that is, and I was actually going to read this passage, and I realized I didn't bring the book up, so I'm going to make sure I have this book. Because it's really good, and I think it's really stark, and it really helps you to understand what the Apostle Paul is doing here. I gave a kind of a summary in the growth guide, but I want to actually read this for you. This is a, a summary of the idea of Stoicism and how they got there. Uh, Paul uses one of the great words of pagan ethics, which means entirely self-sufficient. That's the highest aim of Stoic ethics. 
And by that, they meant a state of mind in which a man was absolutely independent of all things and all people. How are they going to do this? Number one, they proposed to eliminate all desire. They believed that contentment did not consist in possessing much, but in wanting little. And this is a quote. If you want to make a man happy, they said, add not to his possessions, but take away from his desires. The Stoics believed that the only way to, to content was to abolish all desire until a man came to a stage where nothing and no one were essential to him. Secondly, they proposed to eliminate all emotion until a man had come to a stage where he did not care what happened either to himself or to anyone else. This is the most stark part. Uh, And it quotes a Stoic philosopher. Begin with a cup or a household utensil. If it breaks, say, I don't care. Go on to a horse or pet dog. If anything happens to it, say, I don't care. Go on to yourself. And if you are hurt or injured in any way, say, I don't care. If you go on long enough and if you try hard enough, you will come to a stage where you can watch your nearest and dearest suffer and die and say, I don't care. The stoic aim was to abolish every feeling of the human heart. The third step. This was to be done by a deliberate act of the will which saw in everything the will of God. The Stoic believed that literally nothing could happen which was not the will of God. However painful it might be, however disastrous it might seem, it was God's will. It was therefore useless to struggle against it. A man must steal himself into accepting everything. In order to achieve content, The Stoics abolished all desires and eliminated all emotions. Love was rooted out of life and caring was forbidden. As T.R. Glover said, the Stoics made of the heart a desert and called it peace. So this is the philosophy that the Apostle Paul is interacting with and he completely turns it on its head because what they are saying is don't care, don't be concerned, just accept everything, don't fight against evil or wrong or pain, and then and only then can you be content. The Apostle Paul says here, I've actually learned the secret of being content whatever the circumstances, and he provides a contrasting philosophy to the Stoics. He says, I know how to live. At first, it sounds kind of similar. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I put a lot of color in here to see the contrast. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is a full, with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, almost nothing, empty, little, everything, full stomach, plenty. Now, in case we don't have a sense of how dramatic this is. I was thinking about, you know, most of us have never and perhaps never will experience true hunger. But have you ever been hangry? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, you know what hangry is, right? That's when you're hungry and it affects your emotional state. You become a little bit angry. You become a little bit irritable. 
And that's, you're not starving. You might say you're starving, but you're not truly starving. You're, you're, you're just hungry. And then when you finally eat something, you feel better and you realize that your mood gets a little bit better and people aren't running into the next room when you come into the room or things like that. It's because it, now it affects your emotional state. Now think about this for just a second. Some of us, you realize how much power it takes to not be hangry, right? What the Apostle Paul is saying is, look, I've been truly hungry. I've, I've lived with nothing. I've had the bank account, the stomach, the friend count all on empty. And I've learned the secret of living in that situation. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. And then it goes to this famous verse, verse 13, where it says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, this verse is sometimes misused because what, what, what some people quoting this will say, say is, you know, this means that whatever I want, I can make it happen. Or whatever, whatever good I want, this is going to happen to me because in Christ I can do everything. What is the Apostle Paul saying here in context? Read scripture in context. He's saying, whatever comes my way, I can make it through because it is Christ who is strengthening me. Now think about the contrast. It's, it's not, I don't care, and I'm not going to care. It's, I care deeply, and pain is real. But the strength that Christ gives me is sufficient for any task. Sufficient for any circumstance. That no matter what life throws my way, because Christ is so powerful, I can make it through to the other side. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So that's the contentment part of the equation. Generosity, when you see a need, you do something about it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Contentment, I do care. I am gonna do what I can to alleviate others' suffering. Empty stomachs and empty bank accounts and empty friend counts are real, but I can still make it because Christ strengthens me from the inside out. I can experience truly doing well even when things aren't going well how demonstrating your concern finding your sufficiency in christ and then he comes around to this idea of keep building your credit kingdom score now i know some of you are really concerned about building your credit score because you want to have a good credit score so you can do the things that you want the apostle paul is using a financial kind of metaphor to talk about eternal values and you see him doing this a lot even in this letter where he just kind of interchanges the the two he talks about how christ though he was rich became poor for your sakes and here he's going to talk about uh talk about building up your kingdom account this is what he says there's another not that in it he says not that i seek the gift but i seek the profit literally the fruit that is increasing to your account He's saying, again, making sure that as he thanks them for their gift, that he's not misunderstood as manipulating them into giving more. He's saying, "What I, I love that you've renewed my, your concern for me. You had the opportunity and you took it. That's great. Not that I need 
needed it because even though I'm going through difficult circumstances, I can make it through Christ. Not that I'm seeking the gift, but that I want it to profit to your account. What is he saying? It's kind of the same idea where Jesus taught about laying up treasure in heaven as opposed to treasure on earth. And how do you do that? It's when you do well, when you are helping others, when you are, experience, when you are expressing your generosity, when you're making those deposits in others' lives, when you take what God has given you and leverage it for the benefit of others, that is building up your account in heaven. And the balance that is growing there. You're not going to see it this, in, this side of heaven. But there's a balance growing in heaven to your account every time you take the opportunity to help to do something for others. You are doing well. Sometimes we say that a person is well-to-do because they have a large bank account and you figure out how well am I doing by looking at your bank account when it comes to your finances. What the Apostle Paul is saying is you can do really well regardless of your bank account because you have a heavenly kingdom credit account that God is keeping track of and he is keeping balance of. And enough, no good that you do, no well that is done here escapes his notice. You're getting credit where it truly matters. So today we've been talking about prosperity, what it means to truly do well. Here's the equation. Generosity plus contentment is true prosperity. So we're going to demonstrate our concern. We're going to find our sufficiency in Christ. And we're going to keep making deposits in our kingdom credit. Keep building your kingdom credit score. So here's the challenge. How can you practically apply? How can you make life better, be better at life, bring glory to God in the coming week? That's make a deposit in your kingdom credit account. Now, I'm not sure what that looks like for you, but I'm absolutely confident that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. You're going to see some need. You're going to see some way that God has blessed you or put something in your hands that you can use or leverage for the benefit of others. You're not going to worry about your own needs. You're going to have open eyes to the needs around you, and you're going to see how God might use you in the lives of others. And as you do, what you're doing is you're making a deposit in your kingdom credit account. Now, what would it look like if even a small church like ours, every single person as they go out, leave on a Sunday morning, go out into the world on Monday, we're always looking for how God might use them to bless others, how God will give you the strength to face whatever comes your way, that we're always open to how God might use us to be a blessing in the lives of others. We could change our worlds. The circle that makes up our world could be changed because of that. And in fact, the, the Apostle Paul, as he's closing this out, he actually gives you a picture of what this looks like. It's the last couple of verses. I love this. He's, he says in verse 18, I've received full payment. And I have more than enough. When you demonstrate your concern for others, not only are you building your kingdom credit account, you're actually making a difference in the lives of others. 
It really matters to the people that you can do something to bless. It matters in their lives. What the Apostle Paul is saying is, I, uh, it, the, the phrase they use here is kind of like paid in full. You, know, you ever get a bill that's been stamped paid in full? He's saying, you don't have to do anything else for me because you've, you've provided for that need and it, I've received more than enough. And as far as I'm concerned, you don't have a balance with me. You don't owe me anything. I've received full payment. You have made a difference in my life. It's, he goes on to describe, I'm amply survi- supplied, I, sufficient, everything, all my needs are met because I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. So that, that uh, actual need is met. When we do that, we are meeting actual needs, we're making a difference in somebody's life. But it's beyond that. It, there, there's a spiritual dimension to it as well. And that's what he talks about in the next verse. They, those gifts, are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now, this might sound a little bit familiar because in the Old Testament, whenever it was describing the offerings that were provided, it would say, this is a fragrant offering, an acceptable fa- sacrifice, pleasing to God. The idea there was as that, as that sacrifice is, is burning on the altar, you get that smell of, of, of roasted meat, the meat cooking, and it's pleasing. It's like this, this smell is going up to God. Your offering, your sacrifice is pleasing in God's nostrils. And in the same way, he's saying, when you make an offering like this, it, it bring, it's an act of worship. You're not just meeting a need of somebody in your life. It, it, God looks down and he breathes that in and says, that is a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to me. And then beyond that, and this is the cool thing. This is probably the second most memorized passage in this verse. It says in verse 19, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ. And this is another place where he kind of uh, throws all together the material riches and spiritual riches and says, God is so rich and he has shared all of his riches in Christ with us. That doesn't mean that you're going to have a big bank balance. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be in need. See the apostle Paul, but it does mean that you are going to be rich. You are going to do well in the things that matter the most. And he's saying, this is not a reciprocal relationship between me and you, Philippians. You've provided. I don't have an obligation. I I don't have to feel like I'm in debt to you because God is picking up that debt. What does he say? God has been supplying my needs. He used you to do that. But that same God will supply all of your needs. You're not gonna have to. You're not going to have to worry about going in need because of your generosity. As you are generous, God has a way of meeting your needs as well. So God who takes care of me, as you've seen, because you were a part of it, he's going to supply all of your needs. His riches are sufficient for the task and they are ours in Christ Jesus. Life will be better. You'll be content. You'll be better at life. You'll see the needs around you and you will be generous and God will get the glory and that's how the Apostle Paul ends this segment. Now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, imagine what it would look like if we live this way. 
if we were just open to the needs around us, if we would do something about it, real needs would get met. People would not be in need in our congregations and in our circles because we would be open to meeting those needs. We would be content. We would know that we would have the strength, the sufficiency in Christ for whatever we face. And as a result, it's gonna bring glory to God. Those offerings will be sacrifices that are pleasing to him. And, and God is gonna get the glory as we live this way. So let's be that kind of people. Let's go forward with our eyes open and let's meet the needs around us. Meet those needs, please God, and see him get the glory as a result. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are sufficient for whatever we face, that your strength is sufficient, that, we, that, that you cared enough when you saw our suffering, when you saw our sin, that you did everything necessary in order for us to receive forgiveness, to be adopted into your family, to be citizens in your kingdom. May we be that kind of people as well. I pray, Lord, that as we go forward, that you would show us exactly what it means to make those kingdom deposits in the lives of those around us, that you would lead us and guide us. Show us that even even though we might not feel like we have a lot, that you have still placed stuff in our hands, skills, talents, time, resources that we can use to bless others. And may that be our habit, and may you receive the glory as a result. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a great week.